How are we doing? Welcome to episode three of Marcus Aurelius's Meditations for Modern Life. Guys, thanks so much for all the support so far. Awesome feedback on the first two episodes and even bigger thanks to those who have left a review and rating and to anyone who is spreading the word as well because ultimately the more I see this being valued, the more I'm going to like, you know, strive to get episodes out quicker. Um, and you know what? I want to get through the whole of this book for you. Um, and obviously that's only going to happen if you guys are valuing the content that I put out. And on that, guess where we're going this week? Sticking with book two, we've done passage one, passage two, passage three, maybe. I love what I'm about to read to you. And one of the reasons is um, that I was kind of learning about this stuff before I discovered Marcus Aurelius and before I really got into any, like, kind of, whether it's Stoic or Ancient Greek or even like, medieval philosophy. Um, so it was quite eye-opening for me to be hearing these kind of things, often, you know, maybe sort of re reinterpreted or repackaged um, for, you know, sort of by by sort of modern, um, I guess we call modern philosophers or teachers, if you like, who, you know, I may have learned quite a bit off and, you know, just reading and studying stuff in other places. You're hearing this, this is what, what set me on this path, this kind of thing, because I had a life throw a lot of like events my way that kind of made me sort of realise um by force of nature, if you like, some of the things that, that Marcus mentions in this passage, and in fact, many of them. Um, so, it, yeah, it sent me onto a path that, you know, into human behaviour, psychology, and things like that, which ultimately led me to going down the roots of philosophy when I stumbled across things like this, um, you know, this book being, you know, particularly one of the first ones. And then how eye-opening it was to hear that people were talking about this stuff in a different context, a different way, all those years ago. Um, so I'm sure you can take a lot out of this one if you really do take the time to understand it and perhaps sit down and think about it in the context of your own life as well. Certainly something that I have done with, with mine. Here we go. This is passage three from book two. The works of the gods are full of providence. The works of fortune are not independent of nature or the spinning and weaving together of the threads governed by providence. All things flow from that world and further factors are necessity and the benefit of the whole universe of which you are part. Now every part of nature benefits from which is brought by the nature of the whole and all which preserves that nature and the order of the universe is preserved equally by the changes in the elements and the changes in their compounds. Let this be enough for you and your constant doctrine, and give up your thirst for books so that you do not die a grouch, but in true grace and heartfelt gratitude to the gods. Okay, I will try not to talk for hours on this one because ultimately I probably could. <laughs> um, but hey, basically what this passage is saying is if you take this in the context of like modern life, there are things that happen to us that we will kind of view as good or bad. You know, as I've talked about in previous episodes, like our perceptions um, are what dictate whether an event is good or bad. You know, it's just, we might perceive things 
a negative event that may actually have a massive positive impact elsewhere. And the fact is, if there are genuinely bad events or if there is evil, then how can God exist? You know, why would God create evil? Now, I, I say that in the context of um, when I mentioned God and really just talking about sort of divinity. You know, why would the universe be created in such a way where bad things are allowed to happen? Why wouldn't everything not be good? The fact is that anything that we perceive as being bad is actually necessity or a requirement to that greater good. So when you combine everything together, as in everything is is linked, you know, every single person, every single event, everything in the universe linked together, and we call that like the whole or greater good, any event that happens serves the greater good. So while some events to you at a particular time may seem bad, you know, so let's let's take let's take that person who broke your heart, you know, when, when you were at college or whatever, growing up, that first true love who broke your heart. Now, after that, you probably had a great deal of resentment for that person. In your eyes, you did nothing wrong. And you probably carried on to that resentment for a while. And I don't doubt many people listening to this will have resentment in one form or another to either a person or, or to an event or something, you know, even right now upon listening. However, go back to that first love. Now, if that hadn't have ended the way it did, would you, for example, not have learnt some, you know, fundamental lessons that have shaped your character? You know, maybe like a resilience. Maybe that created an even higher, like, value on love, family, trust, loyalty. And if those things become more of a higher value to you, maybe you implement them even higher than you were before. Um, and that therefore benefits your character. You you know, you've had the strength to kind of go through a tough time, to pick yourself up, to better yourself. And the things that you've had since then, you know, you may, you may be listening to this right now, happily married, wonderful family and stuff. Would you have got to that stage, you know, had you not gone through that um, in previous years, that heartbreak? Most probably not. So ultimately, life only brings things into our own lives that we need and are going to serve us. And sometimes it may not necessarily be to serve us individually, because as I mentioned, and you know, as Marcus mentions in this passage, it's the benefit of the whole universe. An example I like to talk about here would be World War II. Now, obviously, even in Marcus Aurelius' time, he's wrote most of this whilst like defending areas of the Roman Empire. You know, so war back then was far more constant um, than than you know in modern times. Um, why? Because that was how people had to survive. You know, if they wanted resources and stuff. It was you take them, you find them, and take them effectively. You know, there was that that first for land, first for grain in new territory. More territory meant more power, more money, more resources. Now, if we look at um, World War II as a just an example where the context can apply to the benefit of the whole universe, of course, you know, it's a tragic event at the time. 
many, many, well, millions of people lost their lives. It also brought about, you know, some of the most sort of dangerous weapons that, you know, the world has ever seen. Obviously, nuclear technology developed through that time. However, if you look at the world before World War II, it was probably closer to the sort of uh, world Marcus Aurelius lived in with regards to, um, you know, empire and imperialism, that kind of thing, than what we actually have now. So you you still had, you know, colonies. You still had, like, a, a, if you want, you know, if a nation needed more resources, they would basically invade and expand their empire to get more resources. Um, you had little understanding for other races, you know, there was a clear sort of divide between races and people thinking they're superior to others. We had so many opposing views on how the best way to run a state would be. Um, and ultimately, those views led to wars. They led to people within states who were opposed to the, the, you know, the views of their own government being sent to work as camps killed or what have you. Now, if you look at life after World War II, you basically had empire and imperialism was basically abolished. There was a lot, lot more value shared around the world just for the rights, human rights of, of, of all people and all races. Um, you had trade between countries becoming much more expanded, you know, so the dissolvement of empires leads to like more trade between countries, free trade. And, and therefore, if you're needing more resources or something, you're producing something in your own country that gives you, um, whether it's like the finances or, or goods to exchange for the resources that you need with other countries. And going back to the nuclear technology, there's another great example there. Okay, yes, Hiroshima, for example, tragic event. Many, many people died. Many people lived in fear following World War II with the, you know, the rise of the Cold War. But nuclear technology is also the foundation of many of the, the cancer treatments that are saving lives today. Computers were invented during World War II. Mobile phones created during World War II. The technology that came from that, as well as the human like values changes that I've mentioned, the technology that came from it has saved millions and millions and millions of lives since World War II. Many more than were lost during it. So I've just given, you know, two hypothetical examples. There were one obviously that's true to life based on like an event that isn't a tragic event, but seeing how it benefits the whole. You know, one that is an example that you can take from your own life. Now, even though that was a hypothetical example, if you look back over your own life, over the worst things that you've been through in life or what seemed that way at the time, have a look back to them now and see how they've benefited you. Whether it was to your character or whether it was simply leading you on a path to have what you have now. And, you know, that, that's also something that this passage touches on as well. Um, the works of fortune are not independent of nature or the spinning and weaving together of the threads governed by providence. So effectively, 
those we still have those kind of like free choices in life and yet somehow those free choices still link together because events elsewhere may change or shape things so that they still benefit the whole and lead to that sort of destiny that we're all kind of on the path for in our own lives you know so you could take Julius Caesar for example he was probably always destined to be Julius Caesar to be effectively emperor of Rome. But at one point he had a choice of whether he should cross the Rubicon or not, stood there with his army, thought about it, because he knew in doing so, he is basically initiating an act of war upon Rome. But the fact is, had he decided not to, other events were no doubt have conspired to still let life go on that same path. He most likely still would have been Julius Caesar, Emperor of Rome. We most likely still would have seen the development, um, you know, of that society that ultimately is, obviously through evolution has led to what we have today. So the, even though that, that, that free choice is still there, it's there, but still with respect to the greater good of the universe. So, it's quite a wonderful thing when you actually do realise this and can apply it to any event in your own life. Because think about it. If you suddenly do not have any experiences in your mind of negative events from your past, because none of them were negative, you've seen how they've benefited you or the greater good. Think what that does for your future. Firstly, there's nothing on your shoulder holding you back. But then if you know that the worst things that you've been through have actually benefited you, well, what are you going to fear or feel anxious about in the future? You'll embrace every situation because you'll know it's part of the divine perfection of the universe that we live in today. 